Well, good morning again, and good morning to you online. Um, I told Mike, I hope I remembered how to preach after a few weeks away, and he said it's kind of like riding a bike, so um, hopefully that's going to be the case. Um, but as we, we jump back into the Sermon on the Mount, I, I hope it is something right now that you are working to try to make a part of you and, and memorizing and, and working through it, um, because I think it is something that has the, the powerful ability to reshape your world, um, but more importantly, the way that you view the world. Um, as we talk this morning, I, I want to um, think about the time my kids are just starving for my attention. And the phrase that, that I probably hear most in my house is, hey, Dad, hey, Dad, hey, Dad, watch me. Anyone ever been there? Your, your kids, hey, Dad, watch me. And they, they've um, learned to do something new. Maybe it's jumping on the trampoline. They've done their first flip, and it's like, oh, Dad, 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 watch me. Or hitting a ball or, or drawing a picture or singing a song. And it, it's all about Dad, 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 or Mom, Mom, Mom watch me. And, and there's this part of us that we realize, like, we never really fully grow out of that, right? There's part of you, even to this day, that still, hey, hey, watch me. For, for those of you who um, maybe get up early to get to work and beat everyone else there, there's this hope that maybe the boss will see you arriving early and putting in the extra time, or the extra work that you're putting in on the project or, or staying later. Maybe for some of you that have struggled with a temptation, there, there's the moments when no one else is looking and you make the right choice, and you resist temptation, and, and there's this hope that everyone else could have been there just to see even though we grow out of the, hey, dad, 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 watch me. We still, deep within us, have that longing to be seen. You see it on Facebook every day. And, and you see it in the pictures that we post. Because you don't see the crazy family picture where you're yelling at your kids and threatening them. You see the perfect happy, smiling family where everyone is okay. And you don't have the picture that happened 30 seconds before that one where you're threatening them, you're grounded for a week, or hey, I'll give you a dollar if you'll smile, or we'll go eat McDonald's if you'll play well. We so, so badly want people to see what we wish we were because there's this desire in us to be seen well. And Jesus here, as he turns the page in, in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, he, he kind of addresses this. Starting in chapter 6, verse 1, he says this, Be careful. Be careful not to practice your righteousness or your acts of righteousness in front of others. Be careful not to practice your acts of righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. And these acts of righteousness that he's going to talk about are pretty simple. It's giving, it's praying, and it's fasting. These kind of staples of what it means to walk with and have relationship with Jesus. And he says, be careful not to do these for the single purpose of being seen 
by other people. Hey, 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 Dad, watch me. Because there's that desire within us to be seen. And he goes on to say this, if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And so he begins with this warning. And ultimately, it's a question of motivation. What is your motivation behind these acts of righteousness? Go back to to the verse. Is it to relate to your Father in heaven? Or is it to be seen? What motivates you? See, psychologists would say there's two types of motivation. There's extrinsic motivation, and that's this outside motivation. It's fear and punishment. It's reward and praise. It's so many times what our kids learn by. There's this fear of being punished or being in trouble. Or there's the desire for reward or praise. And so much of, hey, watch me, watch me, watch me is the reward and praise side. But then there's this intrinsic motivation inside. It feels good. It's altruistic. It's something that that makes me feel better about myself. But within that, there's also another level. And I would say this love of God. Not, Not the desire for God to love you, but this understanding that God does love you and that you are with everything you have expressing your love to him so what is it that motivates you and why would jesus begin this section with this warning why would he tell people be careful and here's the reason and i think what you see in chapter five and the reason chapter six follows what he just talks about in chapter five is there is a tendency within all of us, to focus on the outside more than we do the inside. To focus on what everyone else sees and lose sight of what's deep within. And the only one that knows the difference, the only one who knows where that motivation lies, is you. You're the only one who gets to see deep, deep within you. And so the question comes up, why does it really matter? Because I remember growing up just being taught, hey, you need to give. And you need to pray. We didn't really talk about fasting because that's kind of hard work. And so you don't really need to do that. But, but these are things that you need to do. But we didn't talk a whole lot about the motivation behind it. And if you get real honest, if we talk about the motivation of giving, does it really matter to the person you're giving to what your motivation was? If there's someone who is hungry and without food, do they really care what your motivation was behind it. If there was someone who is in need of prayers, do they really care what your motivation is behind you praying for them? Why does it really matter? And I think it goes back to that tendency. That tendency we all have to focus more on what's outside and what other people see than what's really on the inside. 
If you think about it, we play this game all the time at church. We show up on Sundays, maybe in your pajamas, but we show up on Sundays, and there is this exterior, and we want people to see this pristine picture of who we are. We look like we have it all together. And we look like everything is good and our kids are, are just in line and everything is right. And for many of us, we're terrified of what you might see if you pulled back the curtains. If you allowed people a glimpse inside the walls of your home. Or maybe more importantly, if you allowed people a glimpse inside your heart. We're terrified of what they might see. And the reason that this is going to matter so much, the reason this is so important, we'll get to in just a minute, is because this is all about identity. It is all about who you are. Go back to verse 1 of chapter 6 for me. He says, be careful. And this word be careful is a Greek word, prosecco. And prosecco means to be aware or pay attention or watch out. It's as if Jesus slaps a warning label on this entire section. I love warning labels, especially good warning labels. Like, for instance, this warning label. This is for a sleep aid called Nitol. Um, just take one, and its warning label says, may cause drowsiness. A letter opener. And we've, we have ordered safety goggles for the office. Um, safety goggles recommended. Um, next 10 miles, there's a deer elk crossing, which they have trained the deer. And they know if they venture outside of that 10 miles, they're having to yield. Um, this product may contain eggs. This is on the back of your egg container, by the way. That's what those were in there, by the way. Um, a Dremel. This is not intended for use as a dental drill. Do we, we get an amen, Jared? Does it work? It works. All right. This costume does not enable flight or super strength. I, I found that out. Capes do not help you fly. And I think, is there one more? Yes. This is my favorite one. Remove child. This is the laundry instructions. Remove child before washing. Uh, and I, I love good warning labels because for the most part, warning labels exist because someone has done that, right? Right? There's a warning label on your coffee that you get from McDonald's or Starbucks. Why? Because someone spilt it on themselves and they sued because they didn't know it was hot. And so all of these warning labels come because there's a tendency for people to actually do the things. And the more crazy they are, the more funny they become. And Jesus warns you. He begins this section with this warning. Be careful. Be careful that you do not practice your righteousness. Do, be careful that you do not pray and give and fast to be seen by other people. 
Because if you do, there will be no reward from your Father in heaven. It goes back to motives. And what we learn is motives matter. That why you do what you do is just as important as what you do. Why you do what you do is just as important as what you do. Your motives matter. It matters immensely. And what we're taught growing up is you need to give, and you need to pray, and you need to fast. But I think Jesus would slap a warning label on it. Be careful. Be careful that you do this for the right reason. And like I said, it goes back to identity. It goes back to the the question of who you are. Because the improper motivation leads to improper formation. If the reason that we're doing it is to be seen, if the reason that we're doing it is so that God would love us, if the reason, is that me? If the reason we are doing it is so that God would be pleased with us, or so that we would be seen by others, it forms within us an improper identity. Because we find our identity in so many different places. For, for some of you, you find your identity in your work. You find your identity in your spouse, in your kids. You, you find your identity in what you do more than who you are. Excuse me. We find our identity so much more in what we do than who we are. And there's a danger when our motivations are not right. The motivation is not pure. We would begin to believe that we are who we want others to see us as. All right, we wear this mask. And we wear this facade. And we want to be seen in a specific way. And the danger would be that we begin to actually believe that is who we truly are. Because when you lose sight of the identity you have been given vertically, you will begin to search for it everywhere horizontally. When you lose sight of the identity you have been given vertically by God, you will search for it everywhere, horizontally. And you will allow everyone else to tell you who you are, to define you, and to find value and worth in everything else other than what God has said about you. That God has given you this beautiful identity as his beloved son or daughter that you could trust in that relationship. And and here's the thing, is as we search, as we try to find meaning, as we try to find value, as we try to find identity, there is no identity that you could give yourself or find for yourself that is even close 
to as great of the identity that you have in Christ. It does not matter where you find it or how you are searching for it. It will always pale in comparison to the greatness of Christ. And so he says this, going to verse 2. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the excuse me, announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be done in secret and that your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they will love praise They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask them. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they, they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And there's this word that occurs three separate times in this passage, and it actually occurs 17 times in the entire New Testament. But the only person who ever uses the word is Jesus. And the word is hypocrites. And it's a stage actor or a performer. It's one who wears a mask. It's this Greek theater term. It's the actor who's on stage pretending to be someone they're not. And the only person who uses this word in the entire Bible is Jesus. The only one, I think, who has the ability to use this word. The only one who presents himself as he is is fully seen and is fully known. He says there's a Be careful. Be careful not to be the actor on the stage. Make sure your motivation is right in what you do. Make sure because your identity matters. And it is so tied to your identity. Why? Because when your identity with God is right, You don't care that other people see you. There is simply an audience of one. There's one person 
that sees my life and only one that matters. See, everyone else, and it sounds kind of contradictory to what he said in chapter 5, that you are the light of the world and a city on a hill cannot be hidden, that you need to be seen. But the purpose of being seen there is so that other people would see you and glorify God because of you. He is the only audience that matters. And if your identity that you have been given vertically is not secure, you will begin to search for it everywhere, horizontally. And you will sell your soul to try to figure out who you really are. When I was in high school, we had these little pieces of paper you could write on and give to people, and it was like money. They were called checks. Occasionally, you still see people holding up grocery store lines like these today. But my parents had a box of checks stolen out of our mail. And someone went around basically the entire Dallas-Fort Worth area writing hot checks in my parents' name. And in the end, they spent over $10,000. And this was back kind of at the, the cusp of the identity theft era. And it took a long time to sort through it and to figure it out and what was going on. And it, it's, it's crazy to think about now how badly that hurt their identity because it was stolen. But could you imagine someone back then trying to sell their identity? Like just, just going through what my parents did but because it was their choice. Just standing out on the street corner like, hey, here's my ID, here's my social, here's my checkbook. Just take it. You get to go be me, spend my money, do, do whatever. I mean, how, how, how insane would that be? I wonder. I wonder if that's not what we do every single day. That you have been given this identity. A gift from God. That you are his beloved child. And that you matter to him immensely. And he loves you unconditionally. And yet every day we walk out on the street and our identity is for sale to the highest bidder. Who do I want to be today? Who does everyone else expect me to be today? And for some reason the question is never, God, who do you say that I am? What do you believe about me? I remember back in high school when my, my grandmother was alive, we would take a trip to Arizona every summer. And um, this one summer, we got to take a trip with one of our friends each. And I, I took my friend Morgan. And Morgan um, and I, we both were learning to play golf, and my grandmother was a golfer. And so we were going to go play golf in Paradise Valley out in Phoenix, Arizona, at the golf course she played at. And I was so excited to go because I wanted my grandmother to see me play golf and be so impressed. 
And so throughout the day we're playing and, and Morgan and I are, are, are along there with my, my grandmother. We're keeping score because we're teenage boys and we do that. And it's really close, whole 15, 16. And I start to get really nervous that Morgan was going to beat me. And, and Morgan couldn't beat me. I couldn't allow Morgan to see me lose, or my, my grandmother to see me lose to Morgan because I knew she would be so disappointed in her grandson. And in the end, I lost. Morgan beat me by a couple strokes. And we went back to her house that, that day, and I, I was riding in the front seat, and I remember being so angry at Morgan. Because I knew my grandmother was disappointed in her grandson. And I told that story at her funeral. And my hope was that Nana, even though I didn't win that day, I hope you're still so proud of your grandson. And here's the thing. That you learn probably a few few years later than 12, 13 years old, that your grandmother adored you, and she loved you to death, and she would do anything for you, and a game of golf did not matter. She was proud of who you were. Know this. God adores you, and he is proud of who you are because he has created you and he has made you, and you are the beloved son or daughter of God. And tomorrow when you wake up, the tendency, the pull is going to be to search for your identity, to begin to try to figure out who you are, to know that you're loved, that you're cared for, that you're adored. And God would simply say, you are my child. I love you, and I am pleased with you. And so our motivation comes back to our identity because we're not doing these things so that God would be impressed. We're not doing these things so that other people would see us. Are you watching me? Are you pleased with me? Are you proud of me? But that we are doing all of this as an audience or for an audience of one. Why, why does this matter so much? Because at the end of the day, the only one who can answer the question of your motivation is you. No one else. And at the end of the day, no one else can see what your motivation is but you. And to you, Jesus would say, be careful. Be careful why you do them. Because why you do what you do is every bit as important as what you do. Because this is about identity. It's about knowing who you are in Christ. 
And if you lose sight of the identity you have been given vertically, you will search for it everywhere, horizontally. Father, today in this place, we pray that your presence would be with us, that we would know that we were loved, that we were adored, that we were cared for, that we were your child. And Father, that we live our life for an audience of one. We live our life simply to love and adore the one who loved and adored us first, who gave himself to give us life. And Father, it is our hope and our prayer that at the end of the day, our life screams out to the mercy and grace of Jesus that he has given so freely and beautifully because he loved us first. May our lives always reflect that good and perfect gift. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.